Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. It is a great uh, honor to be sharing with you today to have this opportunity to take a few moments to uh, dive into God's Word. And that's exactly what we're going to do. We're not going to waste any time. We're going to uh, jump into the Word of God. So why don't you go with me to First Peter chapter 1. We're going to read from verse 3. The title of this message is Tested Faith. Tested Faith. Peter here is writing to first century believers who have come under great persecution. They've experienced incredible trials and he's encouraging them not to give up, but to persevere. From verse three, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade. That's good news. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice. So now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honour when Christ Jesus is revealed. I don't know if you've ever noticed, uh, but it seems to be human nature to protect what we value. Uh, when you think about it, we, when we go to a hotel, we put our valuables in a safe to look after them. Uh, If you've got an expensive car, generally you'll lock that car away at night to look after it, to protect it. Uh, When you get in a a car and go for a drive, generally you'll put on a seatbelt. Most of us do anyway because we value our lives. Um, we, We protect our children. We'll do everything we can to protect our children because they are valuable to us. We cherish them. We we adore them. And here in Peter's time, the most valuable commodity at that time was gold. And Peter is saying to us here that our faith is of more value than gold. He's doing everything he can right here to emphasize the the value, the importance, the significance of the faith that you and I have. And we're told that it is impossible to please God without faith. You see, our faith is the foundation that everything else in our lives is built upon. And we are in a time right now that more than ever, we need to protect our faith. We need, to, we need to nurture our faith. We need to look after our faith. If there's anything the enemy would want to do in this time, it is to steal our confidence in the character of God. You see, in this season, he wants us to look around us and to see a a virus, a pandemic impacted world and to be disillusioned in our faith and to be overwhelmed in our faith. It seems that almost everything uh, in this this year has been cancelled. I mean, our, our church services in 
physical person may have been cancelled, sporting events may have been cancelled, concerts may have been cancelled, all kinds of things have been cancelled. But the one thing we cannot allow the enemy to cancel is our faith, is our hope, the living hope that we have in a resurrected Saviour, the joy that we have, the peace that we have. Let's not allow him to press the cancel button on what is most valuable to you and I, our faith. Let's stand our ground and resist the enemy. Let's not allow seeds of doubt and unbelief to take root in our hearts, but let's continue to get the Word of God in our hearts because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. See, God's intent in testing times isn't to destroy your faith, but it's to develop your faith. He doesn't want to destroy your faith. He doesn't want to overwhelm you, but He wants to develop you. And when we come to Scripture, we'll see all kinds of uh, different expressions of faith. Uh, You've got saving faith. You've got childlike faith. Um, You've got crazy faith. You know, that faith that believes for the impossible, for the miraculous, for revival. But then you've also got what Peter highlights here, which is tested faith. And tested faith is that faith that has been through the greatest hardships, the greatest trials, the toughest of times, but it still remains. It still lasts. That is what tested faith is. And where there is no test, there is no proof that the faith in you you and I possess is genuine, is authentic. Trials come to prove the genuine nature of our faith. And how many people know we live in a world right now where there's so much counterfeit? There's so much fake. I mean, you've got fake Instagram accounts. You've got uh, fake, fake investment opportunities. You've got fake news. Hello, we've been seeing some of that lately. There is so much fake in this world, counterfeit. The thing that this world needs more than anything else at a time like this is a faith that is genuine, that is real, that is authentic, a faith that is prepared to roll up its sleeves and get involved in the mess we see around us and to love people and to support people and to say, how can I genuinely authentically come alongside you in this time. We're talking about tested faith that has been proven to be authentic and real. You see, true faith isn't just about believing God for things, but it's also about believing God through things. Not just about believing for the miracle, but believing God as you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, saying, God, I still trust you. I still believe you and I still look to you. You see, I'm encouraged by people who have incredible faith to believe for things. But you know what? I'm more encouraged by people that have an incredible testimony of having been through the hardest of times, the greatest of trials. And guess what? They're still standing. They're still testifying that God is good, that He can be trusted, that His character is dependable. Faith takes us not just towards things, but it takes us through things. James says in chapter 1, verse 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. What? James, are you out of your mind here? I mean, this guy is actually saying, consider it pure joy when trials come your way. I mean, I don't always feel that way. 
But I think what James gets that we may not always see is that he understands that the road towards maturity and completeness is always paved with trials, is always paved with the tests, the challenges of life. You see, steel is forged by the application of heat and pressure. If you remove heat and pressure from the equation, guess what? You won't have any steel that is strong enough to withhold weight. You see, steel is that material that is literally able to uphold those skyscrapers. You see incredible buildings and it's able to do that because it was forged under pressure. And could it be possible that this season God has you in isn't about destroying you, isn't about overwhelming you, but it's about preparing you. It's about forging steel within you so that you can carry all that He has for you in the days to come. He's forging steel in you so that you can carry the weight He has for you in the days to come. That is what He's wanting to do. And if I'm to be honest, I don't personally love pressure. I'm not that guy that's like, please, God, would you just send me more trials, more suffering, more pain? Like, bring it my way. Like, I, I like life to go to plan. Ask my wife. I like ticking off the boxes. I like things being smooth sailing. I'm not that guy that wants them to come my way. But the reality is when we do face tests and trials, I don't know about you, but I generally become more desperate for God than ever before. I become so much more aware of my need for God's presence in my daily life. And right now, there's probably three to four people in my life that aren't believers and they are struggling in an incredible way. They're facing some really confronting circumstances. And the amazing thing has to be, uh, has been to see that through what they're facing, they've come to the end of themselves and they're starting to say, hey, I need to open up my life to God. I need more than myself. I need more than my own ability and strength and capacity. I need to let God into my world. And they're literally surrendering to Jesus because of the trials they have faced. The pain has pushed them not away from God, but towards God. And that is the opportunity we have. One of the very real trials many of us are facing today is the trial of delay. For many of us, there's all kinds of things that have been put on hold in our lives this year whether that's a family holiday, whether that's a dream, a goal, whether it's a business idea. For so many of us, so much has been put on hold and delay can be such a frustrating thing. I think we've all felt this at different points. Uh, when I get in the car to go for a drive somewhere, the last thing I want to see in front of me is a sign that says, a sign that says delays ahead. A sign that says, take another route. There's delays expected. Because when I get in the car, I want to get from A to B as quickly as I can. I don't want to go the long way. I just want to get there. I want to find the, um, the shortcuts and arrive at my destination. And I think most of us are like that in life. And we can look at the delays and go, this is frustrating. This is inconvenient. This is overwhelming. But what I've found in my own life is God often uses the delays, the inconveniences in our lives to take us to exactly where He wants us to be. Because sometimes we've got a destination in mind, but it's not actually where God wants us to be. And He can use these interruptions, these delays, these in inconveniences, not only to get you where you need to be, but to make you the person God wants you to be, to forge steel within you. You see, God's delay is not God's denial.
Just because of this virus has taken place, that doesn't mean God's purposes for your life have been put on hold. They are still the same. He is still taking you somewhere and he is still working in your life. So many of you today, you might look around and you might look at the world you're living in right now, your life, and you might just see frustration. You might see delay. You might see inconvenience. You might be overwhelmed by what is around you. But can I encourage you today? God is working. God is moving. God is doing so much more than you can even see in your life right now. Can I encourage you today? Do not give up. Do not give up on your calling. Do not give up on your faith. Protect your faith. Do not give up on your future. Do not give up on your family, your marriage. God is at work and it's not a time to give up, but it's a time to stand our ground and to protect our faith. Let's continue to persevere. God is forging steel within you in this time. He's strengthening your faith. He is growing you and he's doing so much more than even you or I can see in this season. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, why don't we welcome our incredible uh, New South pastor, Pastor Don, who's going to come and continue this morning's ministry. Thank you, Pastor Luke. That was a great word. You're a really good looking man. He's a great-looking man, isn't he? Pastor Luke is a great-looking man. But not just that, you are a great leader, great pastor, and a great preacher. Very loved, Pastor Luke. Oswald Chambers is an author most known for writing, My Utmost for My Highest. And he's quoted as saying that God does not often tell you exactly what He's going to do. Rather, He reveals to you who he is. It's a powerful statement, especially in light of everything that Pastor Luke has just been preaching about on the fact that the trials that we go through actually can have purpose in it. And just like this quote, you and I as Christians need to understand, if not already, that all of us will have moments in our life where we will call out to God asking Him, why is it that I'm going through the things that I'm going through? Or we'll cry out to God, asking Him for details of things that will happen. Funny, isn't it? Details now and details later. God, can you tell me the details? But we need to come into the revelation to know who God is despite our circumstances, despite the situations that we are in. Pastor Luke's been mentioning we all go through trials and testing and right now I really believe that as we engage in this word right now over the next couple of moments that something's going to be revealed to us an area that the devil wants to attack but God can enable us to overcome. See, every one of us will go through afflictions, but our faith as we've heard already is not built upon the absence of affliction, but upon the person of our Lord and Savior. The devil wants you to get fixated on yourself. He wants you to get fixated on your situation, your circumstance, and therefore then your thoughts begin to mull over. You begin to meditate really upon yourself. Anxiety and worry therefore can begin to take over. And the reason why the devil wants you to do that is because he knows when you get fixated on yourself, you will begin to doubt the character of God. But if all of us go through things like this, then God must have a way for us to consistently have hope in the midst of our pain and affliction. And so what we need to do is we need to feed our faith by meditating upon who God is. 
Lamentations is a book that not many people will read from to get encouragement. The name itself means to lament. But right now, you can open up your Bible to the book of Lamentations between Jeremiah and Ezekiel in the Old Testament. In just a moment, we're going to read from Lamentations 3. So as you open your Bible to that spot, I want to give you a little bit of context to this book. The book basically is five poems that have been put together, each expressing an area of grief and loss due to the nation of Jerusalem being taken over. And then we get to Lamentations 3, and we see that the author of this chapter is actually a man that's in extreme sorrow, extreme grief, extreme affliction. He's going through the loss of Jerusalem. He's going through the loss of a life now needing to be lived contrary to what he was used to. Does that sound familiar to anybody today? He's so much in affliction that he says things in verse 17, like my soul is bereft of peace. There's no peace in me. I've forgotten what happiness is. He says things like my endurance has perished and so has my hope from the Lord. That's strong language. Strong words that aren't just for a moment, but you can imagine putting yourself into his situation. And I think if each one of us was honest today, we've all had moments in our life where we've felt the things that he's feeling. We've thought the things that he's saying. And maybe you're going through that right now where you're feeling like there's no peace in me. My hope from the Lord, my endurance in him is actually beginning to waver, but have hope today. Because I believe this word is gonna instill hope within you just like it does for this man because he's in deep affliction. But then we get to a point where everything seems to pivot and change. But it wasn't changing his circumstances. It was actually a change from the inside out. His external circumstance didn't change, but his internal revelation began to change. And so we need to know what is it that changed for him? What is it that can change for you and I today? Well, let's read in verse 21. It says, but this... I call to mind, and therefore I have hope that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. What a contrast the very deepest part of his body that was actually lacking in hope. He now says, as the Lord is my portion, I will hope in him. What is it that there was a change in his life? It wasn't his circumstance. So what was it that was under attack? It was his thoughts. He says, but this I call to mind. He begins to meditate upon the character of the Lord. He begins to meditate Upon truth, as Pastor Luke just preached before, a truth knowing that even in the circumstances we're in, God can mature us in our faith. He begins to meditate upon the character of God. And as he does that, deep thinking upon who God is, a shift happens from the inside out. Dr. Caroline Leap, some of you maybe have heard of, she's a uh, communication pathologist and a cognitive neuroscientist. And in a book that she's written called Switch On Your Brain, she actually writes, I find this so fascinating. She writes that current neuroscientific and quantum physics research confirms 
that our thoughts change our brains daily. In fact, neurological literature has coined the term self-directed neuroplasticity as a general description of the principle that deep thinking, hello, changes brain structure and function. And this plastic ability of the brain to change in a positive or a negative direction depends upon our state of mind, and it is called plastic paradox. She goes on to say that positive plasticity or positive deep thinking leads to positive behavior, and negative plasticity or negative deep thinking actually leads to negative behavior. What you meditate upon will have an impact upon your life and your faith. So you and I really do need to meditate upon the Word of God and who He is because often the devil will want to attack us in moments of weakness and affliction, trying to get us to put our mind mulling on the what-ifs of tomorrow or the maybes of yesterday. And he begins to have us meditate and wants us to be fixated on these things and to forget who God is. This is why communion is so powerful. As we heard today with Pastor Jason Staggers, remembering that we didn't deserve it and we could never earn it. And yet God poured out his love, his mercy, his forgiveness on each and every one of us because that is who he is. You need to hear that today. He's a loving God. He's a merciful God. He is a forgiving God. And when we meditate on these things, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. We need to meditate upon the character of God. And it's in this place, despite our circumstance, despite the grief, despite the affliction in the midst and in the middle of this place that you and I will be able to experience like the author of Lamentations 3, a hope that will begin to rise up. And that as we declare, the Lord is my portion that we will begin to see life and purpose and meaning not through our circumstance, but through the character of God. Meditation upon the word of God is not just a spiritual practice. It's really like a lifeline for you and I. When we're going through battles, when we're going through hardships, but also when things are going really well. Because it's in that place that we remember and remind ourselves we did nothing to bring ourselves into existence. We did nothing to bring ourselves into salvation. It is all about Jesus Christ. And just as Pastor Jason wrote from he. Uh, spoke, sorry, from Hebrews 13 today. Romans 5 also tells us that we have a hope in the peace of God through Jesus Christ. But it goes on to say a little bit further in verses 3, 5, and 6 that we also have a hope, uh, Pastor Luke, in our sufferings because we know that our sufferings produce endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope in us. And so therefore, even in that place of suffering, we need to call to mind who God is. And hope will rise up within us. And it's not out of self-will, self-effort. But as Romans 5 says, it's because we've received the Holy Spirit. You and I need to make the decision that daily we're going to keep an appointment with God. Daily we're going to remember who He is and As we go on that journey of beginning to read the Bible each and every day, 
praying before him and then meditating upon those words, thinking deeply upon the word that God is revealing to us and in prayer and what he's speaking to us through that. As we meditate upon his word, his character and his goodness, you and I can overcome the anxious thoughts. You and I can overcome the guilt and the shame because of Jesus Christ. The devil wants you to get fixated upon yourself upon your situation and upon your circumstance because if we become fixated upon these things, it's often we forget the character and remembering who he is. But this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Listen to this, the steadfast love, come on somebody, of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. And therefore I will hope in him. Pastor Sean Stan is quoted as saying, The will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. God alone is in control of circumstances. You are safer in a famine in the will of God than you are in a palace out of the will of God. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that God is good, that he is faithful, that his love and his mercies are new every single morning? Come on right now. Would you just begin to make the decision that no matter what comes up, I'm going to choose to reflect and call to mind the things of God because as a disciple of Jesus Christ, your inheritance is to refute every lie that comes up against you, to be vindicated by the Lord, to be delivered in him. Would you trust in the word of God and believe that his word is living and active, and as you call it to mind, you will experience hope rise up within you and God's peace rest upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, right now, our Numa Church West location pastor, Pastor Dave Fuentes is coming up, and I'm telling you right now, you need to be expecting the fuego de Jesus, the fire of Jesus, as Pastor Dave comes to bring the word right now for us. That's some pretty good Spanish right there, Pastor Don. Another good-looking man himself. What does it say about me? I think I'm the rose amongst the thorns, the best of the bunch, the best-looking. Thanks, Mum. At least you told me that anyway. My wife sometimes doesn't. But uh, what a privilege it is to be able to share with you uh, today. What, a, what incredible messages that we've just heard. Uh, we, we've heard from Pastor Don and Pastor Luke about how faith is valuable and we need to protect it. It's so important in a season like this that as we uh, sow into our faith, When we focus on God, it doesn't mean that the circumstances around us will stop. It just means that His sovereignty, His power, His love, His grace and His faithfulness will be evident all the more so in the midst of a pandemic. But how can we build that faith? Well, through relationship with God. Two of our values here at Numa Church, prayer fuels power. So in our own walk with God, in praying with God, God's Word is our foundation. Positioning ourselves to encounter the fullness of what God is doing is something that allows us to build our faith in a season like this. But see, it doesn't just stop with us in what we do in our own walk with God. And so for these last few moments, I wanna go on a little bit of a different tangent with this. See, one of the things that I've come to understand about God, that in seasons of trials and circumstances, whilst God works for you, whilst God can work in you, He can still work through you to reach others around us. 
See, the pandemic might have put so many things on hold, but one thing that can never be put on hold is the Great Commission. The Great Commission does not stop simply because we're limited to, through the restrictions of a lockdown. See, the enemy will distract. The enemy will, will try to detract and hold the momentum of, of what God is doing. And we're seeing that for those of us who live in Victoria, we've seen over the last six weeks and beyond before that as well, the very many limitations. But can I encourage you, church, if you are a believer of Jesus Christ, you've accepted Him as your Lord and Saviour, we cannot forget those around us. We cannot settle with the idea that there are many people in this moment that are going to an eternity without Jesus Christ and be okay with that. See, we may not be able to meet conventionally right now, but see, in our own walk with God, as we position ourselves as believers, we can stop and look around and allow God to guide us and lead us and highlight the opportunities which will often come in the most unlikeliest of places. See, we've been living in times of great inconvenience. And sometimes out of great inconvenience, we, could, we can sit idle and do nothing. And yet I've come to admire what God has shown us time and time again throughout the Bible, that in times of great inconvenience can often come the biggest breakthroughs in people's lives. And so I'd love to take you to Luke chapter 19, 1 to 10. And I've titled my message today, The Divine Detour. And so the scripture says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he is going to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. So when we read this scripture, there are two characters that I want to highlight. The first one being Jesus, that in today's day and age in this pandemic represents us who have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. And then you've got the man Zacchaeus, a broken man, a sinful man, a man uh, with many challenges who comes to the feet of Jesus. See, we start off with Jesus. He was passing through. He was passing through Jericho. He was on his way to something else in this moment. And yet his radar was always on, always open to the opportunities and the possibilities that God would open up before him. See, for us, we may not be on our way to something, but can I tell you, church, we are passing through a pandemic. This isn't gonna be life for the next 10, 20, 30 years. We are passing through. And one of our values as a church is miracles are normal. And the question that comes with that is, is the supernatural a part of my daily experience? In our walk with God, as we pass through this pandemic, are we open to the supernatural, the opportunities that God will open up for you, that God will open up for me to reach those around us in this season? And so here we see Zacchaeus, on the other hand, a man who seemingly had it all, wealthy, he had it all in the natural, yet he had nothing. He was a man who had made his wealth as a tax collector on the backs of ripping other people off. He was a man that was disliked and judged. Yet he was a man that heard about Jesus and was not intimidated by the fact that he didn't add up according to the crowd standards, but he actually positioned himself to encounter Jesus. Two extremely different people, the Son of God 
and a sinner. And yet in this divine detour, in this beautiful distraction, Jesus did not have tunnel vision. Jesus did not say, well, look, I've got to get to my service at this time to preach to the 5,000. No, He stopped and allowed Himself to be led by the Spirit and a beautiful exchange took place. This is a beautiful concoction of Zacchaeus' desire to see Jesus matched with Jesus' openness to put his task on hold led to a transformed life. Can I tell you, if you've not received Jesus, God will meet you at the level that you allow Him to. But for us who are believers, we are entrusted with the responsibility that like Jesus, our actions must speak as loud as our words. See, Jesus didn't follow the status quo. We read in verse seven that all the people saw and started muttering. He courted controversy so many times throughout the Gospels, you read that, but he was never bothered by that. He ignored the crowd. You might be a believer right now and, 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 and hearing the crowd saying, hey, church is on hold. This season is on hold. It's a write-off. Let's wait to 2021. Can I tell you, ignore that and step out in faith. Let us check our hearts that we don't become part of a crowd that settles with hundreds, thousands of people going to an eternity without Jesus simply because it's an inconvenience to us. Let us never settle for that. Jesus didn't. Jesus stopped. Jesus went. What I love about this scripture is that it doesn't tell us what happened at the table. It doesn't tell us what Jesus said to Zacchaeus. But all we do know is that the Zacchaeus that went into that lunch was 180 degrees further away from the Zacchaeus who came out of that lunch. And the awesome thing about that is that Zacchaeus' transformation was not out of shame. It was out of acceptance. See, as believers, yes, you know, we must preach, we must speak, but our eloquence alone cannot, cannot reach someone without the authenticity of what God has done in your life. So when we hear in the previous messages about faith building up, seeing the faithfulness of God, the more you press in and see the move of God in your life, the easier it is to carry that love, to carry that grace and go and minister to others in a season like this. One thing that COVID has highlighted is the need for Jesus more than ever for the church, but also for those that are yet to receive Jesus as Lord and Saviour. See, we've been locked down. We've been down, but not out. Some of you may still be facing a prospect of, not, of the uncertainty of what employment will come for you. Others may still be facing the uncertainty of your health. But can I tell you that one thing that is certain is that my Jesus is still King of Kings. He is still Lord of Lords and He can still move even in the face of adversity. So church, it's time for us to start reaching to the forgotten ones. Making disciples is still not an option. As we press into God, as we go about what we do, out of the spontaneity is where revival will come. See, Jesus was intentional about seeking the loss, which meant that He went into their world. What He preached, He acted and so for us now, it's more important than ever that we take time to stop and meet with the Zacchaeuses of this world. Who are the Zacchaeuses? Well, anyone that you come in contact with. It could be that petrol station attendant that has been waking up every day with that anxiety to go to work out of a fear of getting ill, that you can simply be the one that brings the hope of Jesus Christ to them in that moment. It could be that work colleague that, you know, you Zoom, you, everybody loves the old Zoom wave and the old backgrounds there, but it could be that person that you go out of your way to send them a message and simply say, hey, I'm thinking of you right now. 
See, love gives generously, but the giving is not always material. That Yes, that's an element of it, but you may not be in that position, but it can also be a simple encouragement and a thought and noticing someone where they're at. For us, our Zacchaeus is a people that are very easy to love and some that may not be easy to love. I'm pretty sure given the reputation of Zacchaeus, he may not have been a man that was easy to love. But that didn't put Jesus off. Because you see, Jesus understood one thing, and that is that salvation is for everyone. See, Romans 10, 13 to 14 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Church today, that someone is you. That someone is me. God has, Jesus has given us the authority as we read in Matthew 28, 19 to 20, the Great Commission, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And this bit's important. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You are called you are given the authority. As we read in this story, you are given that authority to stop and minister to someone where they're at. And what I love about this story is that we read in verse five that the thing that Jesus did was acknowledge Zacchaeus in the tree. He didn't set out terms and conditions. He didn't say to Zacchaeus, hey mate, come back in two months when you've paid everybody back. Actually, you know what? Come to this church service that we've got running uh, tonight. You know, I'm gonna be preaching there. Come on down. No, no, no. He said with a sense of urgency, all this can wake. You are the most important thing in my way. At this moment in time, I need to spend time with you. For so long, church, we've sat and expected the world to come to us and rarely have gone out to them. And yet lockdown has put that all on its head. So we need to stop and think, who is in your world right now that you can reach out to? Right now, as we look around in the crowds, there are so many Zacchaeuses whose cries for help are being unheard because they're being drowned out by the crowd because the very men, the very women that Jesus has called to go and minister to them, sit idle. We hear about how through the tests, we see how the faith in God leads to the breakthroughs. Maybe, just maybe, the reason why God does it in your life so that you can be the vessel through your testimony, through your example that would lead that Zacchaeus to come to Christ. You know, you might be listening today and you've never actually made that decision to receive Jesus in your life. Or you might have once made that decision, but at some point, maybe because of what's happening in, in, in our world right now, have decided to put it on hold or, or have walked away. You know, take heart because what I love about this scripture is that like Zacchaeus, he drowned out the noise of everyone that told him what he wasn't. He didn't even let his physical size intimidate him. He heard about Jesus. He did everything he could to position himself in front of Jesus. And as a result of that encounter, his life was transformed. When we talk about the beautiful nature of a relationship with God, it's come as you are. God will meet you in your brokenness and will be your greatest cheerleader throughout your transformation to your fullness. Salvation is for everyone. See, the highlight of this story wasn't that Zacchaeus 
sold everything and gave everything. It actually comes in verse 9 and 10 where it says, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. Jesus didn't wait. He intentionally came to seek. And I feel that right now of everything that we've heard, for those that perhaps haven't made that decision, Jesus is seeking you. He is relentlessly pursuing your heart right now. And the question may be, well, what must I do? Well, again, the story gives us that. Out of the urgency, Jesus puts an invitation to Zacchaeus, a divine urgency. I must have lunch with you. And Zacchaeus, hey, come, come into my house, come into my heart. It's as simple as that. It's not jumping through hoops. It's not about righting every single wrong that you have done in your life. It's simply saying, Lord Jesus, I invite you into my heart. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.